This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to Tracks to Relax. This guided sleep meditation is designed to help you relax and fall asleep. Therefore, never listen to this guided sleep meditation while driving or doing anything that requires your attention. Today's guided sleep meditation includes a story from a long time ago. The story of Ben Serdatu. And before we begin our story... I want to make sure that you're ready to relax and drift off into a wonderful sleep while you're listening. So when you're ready to relax completely, simply make sure you're nice and comfortable in a place where you can enjoy a lovely sleep. And when you're ready to relax completely, Simply allow your eyes to close now. And with your eyes closed, begin to allow the muscles in your body to relax. By taking a nice deep breath in, and then exhaling at your own time and pace. That's right. Allow every muscle in your body to just begin to enter a state of relaxation that can become more and more relaxing as you listen to this wonderful bedtime fable. A long time ago, there was a king and a queen who had three wonderfully beautiful daughters. And their one thought, from morning till night, was how they could make the girls happy. One day, The princesses said to the king, Dear father, we want so much to have a picnic. Very well, dear children, let us have a picnic, by all means, answered he. And he gave orders that everything should be prepared. When the food was prepared, it was put into a cart and the royal family stepped into a carriage and drove right away into the country. After a few miles, they reached a house and garden belonging to the king 
and close by was their favorite place for lunch. The drive had made them all very hungry, and they ate with a hearty appetite, till almost all the food had disappeared. When they were quite done, they said to their parents, Now we should like to wander about the garden a little. But when you want to go home, just call to us. And they ran off laughing down a green glade, which led to the garden. But no sooner had they stepped across the fence, than a dark cloud came and covered them and prevented them from seeing where they were going. Meanwhile, the king and queen sat lazily relaxing. An hour or two slipped away, and the sun was beginning to drop towards the horizon. They began to think that it was time to go home, so they called to their daughters, but no one answered. They called again, and still no one answered. Frightened by the silence, they searched every corner of the garden, the house, and the neighboring woods. But no trace of the girls was to be found anywhere. The earth seemed to have just swallowed them up, and the poor parents were in despair. The queen wept all the way home, and for many days after. The king issued a proclamation that whomever should bring back his lost daughters should have one of them for his wife, and should, after his death, reign in his stead. Now two young generals were at the time living at court, and when they heard the king's declaration, they said to one another, Let us go search for them. Perhaps we shall be the heroes that find them. They set out, each mounted a strong horse, taking with them a change of clothes and some money. But though they inquired, at every village they rode through, they could hear nothing of the princesses, and by and by their money was all spent and they were forced to sell their horses, or give up the search. Even the money from selling the horses only lasted a little while, and soon they had nothing but their extra clothes, between them and starvation. They sold the spare garments that were bound to their saddles, and went in the coats they stood up in, to the inn, to beg for some food, as they were so hungry. When, however, they had to pay 
for what they'd eaten and drank. They said to the host, We have no money. We not but the clothes we stand up in. Take these and give us instead some old rags and let us stay here and serve you. The innkeeper was content with the bargain and the generals remained and were his servants. All this time the king and queen remained in their palace, hungering for their children, but not a word was heard from either of them or of the generals who had gone to seek them. Now there was living in a palace a faithful servant of the king's called Ben Serdatu, who had served him for many years. And when Ben Serdatu saw how grieved his king was, he lifted up his voice and said to him, Your Majesty, let me go and seek your daughters. No, no, Ben Serdatu, replied the king. Three daughters I have lost, and two generals. And shall I lose you also? But Ben Serdatu said again, Let me go, your majesty. Trust me, and I will bring back your daughters. Then the king gave way, and Ben Serdatu set forth, and rode on until he came to the inn where he dismounted and asked for food. It was brought to him by the two generals, who he knew at once, in spite of their miserable clothes, and much astonished. When Serdatu asked them how in the world they came to be where they are, they told him all about their adventures and Ben Serdatu sent for the innkeeper and said to him, Give them back their clothes, and I will pay for everything that they owe you. The innkeeper did as he was bid, and when the two generals were dressed in their proper clothes, they declared that they would join Ben Serdatu and with him seek the king's daughters. The three companions rode on for many miles, and at length they came to a wild place, without any sign of human beings. It was getting dark, and fearing to be lost in this desolate spot, they pushed their horses on, and at last saw a light in a window of a tiny hut. Who comes there? asked a voice as they knocked at the door. Oh, have pity on us and give us a night's shelter, replied Ben Serdatu. We are three tired travelers who have lost our way. When the door was opened, a very old woman stood back and beckoned them to enter. Whence do you come? And whither do you go? said she. Ah, 
good woman, we have a heavy task before us, answered Ben Serdatu. We are bound to carry the king's daughters back to the palace. Oh, unhappy creatures, cried she, you know not what you are doing. The king's daughters were covered by a thick cloud, and no one knows where they may be now. Oh, tell us if you know, my good woman, said Ben Serdatu, for with them lies all our happiness. Even if I were to tell you, she said, you could not rescue them. To do so, you would have to go to the very bottom of a deep river. And though certainly you would find the king's daughters there, yet the two eldest are guarded by two giants, and the youngest is watched by a serpent with seven heads. The two generals who stood by listening were filled with terror at the words, and wished to return immediately. But Ben Serdatu stood firm and said, We have come this far, and we must carry on. Tell us where the river is, so that we may go there as soon as possible. And the old woman told them, and gave them some cheese, wine, and bread, so that they should not set forth hungry. And when they had drank and eaten, they laid themselves down to sleep. The sun had just risen above the hills the next morning, before they all woke, and taking leave of the wise woman who had helped them, they rode on until they came to the river. I am the eldest, said one of the generals, and it is my right to go down there first. So the others fastened a rope around him, and gave him a little bell, and lowered him down into the water, but he had barely been lowered below the surface of the river, when a crash of thunder came, and he lost all his courage, and rang the bell. If perchance it might be heard amidst all of the clamor, great was his relief when the rope began to slowly pull him back out. Then the other general took the plunge, but he fared no better than the first, and was soon pulled back to dry ground again. Well. You are a brave pair, said Ben Serdatu, as he tied the rope around his own waist. Let us see what will happen to me. They lowered him down, and when he heard the thunder, he thought to himself, Make as much noise as you like, it won't hurt me. And he continued to be lowered deeper and deeper into the river, until his feet touched the bottom, and he found himself in a 
brilliantly lit hall. And in the middle of the hall sat the eldest princess. And in front of her lay a huge giant, fast asleep. Her eyes met Ben Serdatu's, and she nodded to him and asked with her eyes how he had come to be there. For answer, he drew his sword and was about to cut off the giant's head when she stopped him quickly and made signs to hide himself as the giant was just beginning to awake. I smell the flesh of a man, murmured the giant as he stretched his great arms. How in the world would any man get down here, said the princess. I think you would better go to sleep again. So the giant turned over and went to sleep. Then the princess signed to Bensardatu, who drew his sword and cut off the giant's head with such a blow that it flew into the corner. And the heart of the princess leapt within her, and she placed her golden crown on the head of Bensardatu and called him her hero. Now show me where your sisters are, Bensardatu said, so that I may free them also. The princess opened a door and led him into another hall, wherein sat the next sister, also guarded by a giant was fast asleep. When the second princess saw them, she made a sign to hide themselves, for the giant was showing signs of awakening. I smell man's flesh, murmured he sleepily. Now how could any man get down here, said the princess. You should go to sleep again. And as soon as he closed his eyes, Ben Serdatu stole out from his corner and struck the giant with such a blow that his head flew far, far away. The princess could not find words to thank Ben Serdatu for what he had done. So she placed in his hand her golden crown. Now, show me where your youngest sister is, said Ben Serdatu, so that I may free her also. I fear you will not be able to do that, sighed the princess, for she is in the power of a serpent with seven heads. Take me to him, replied Ben Serdatu. It will be a splendid fight. Then the princess opened a door, and Bensardatu passed through it, and found himself in a hall that was even larger than the last two. And there stood the youngest sister, 
chained fast to a wall, and before her was stretched a serpent with seven heads. As Bensurdatu came forward, the serpent twisted all its seven heads in his direction, and then made a quick dart to snatch him within its grasp. But Bensurdatu drew his sword and laid about him until the seven heads of the serpent were rolling on the floor. Flinging down his sword, he rushed to the princess and broke her chains, and she wept for joy and embraced him, and took the golden crown off her head and placed it in his other hand. Now we must go back to the upper world, said Bensurdatu, and led her to the bottom of the river. The other princesses were waiting there, and Bensurdatu tied the rope around the eldest and rung his bell. The generals above heard the bell and drew her gently up. Then they unfastened the rope and threw it back into the river. And in a few moments the second princess had been raised from the river and now stood beside her sister. So now only Ben Serdatu and the youngest princess remained. Dear Ben Serdatu, she said, do me a kindness and let them draw you up before me. I dread the treachery of the generals. No, no, replied Ben Serdatu. I certainly will not leave you down here. There is nothing to fear from my comrades. If it is your wish, I will go up first then. But first, I swear that if you do not follow to marry me, I shall stay single for the rest of my life. Then he bound the rope to her, and the generals drew her up. But instead of lowering the rope again into the river, envy at the courage and success of Ben Serdatu, so filled the hearts of the two generals that they turned away and left him to perish. And more than that, they threatened the princesses and forced them to promise to tell their parents that it was the two generals who had set them free. And if they should ask about Ben Serdatu, they must say that they have never seen him. The princesses, fearing for their lives, promised everything, and they rode back to the court together. The king and the queen were beside themselves with joy when they saw their children once more. But when the generals had told their story of the dangers they had run, the king declared that they had gained their reward, and the two eldest princesses should become their wives, 
And now, we must see what poor Ben Serdatu was doing. Ben Serdatu had waited patiently a long, long time, but when the rope never came back, he knew he had been right, and that his comrades had betrayed him. Ah, now I shall never reach the world again, murmured he. But being a brave man, and knowing that moaning about his fate would profit him nothing, he rose and began to search through the three halls, where perhaps he might find something to help him. In the last hall stood a dish covered with food, which reminded him that he was hungry, so he sat down and ate and drank. Months passed away, then one morning, as he was walking through the halls, he noticed a purse hanging on the wall, which he had never seen before. He took it down to examine it, and nearly let it fall with a surprise, when a voice came from the purse, saying, What commands have you? Oh, take me out of this terrible place, and up to the world again. And with that, in a moment, he was standing again by the river bank, with the purse tightly grasped in his hand. Now, let me have the most beautiful ship that was ever built, all manned and ready for sea. And then the ship appeared with a flag floating from its mast, on which were the words, King with Three Crowns. Then Ben Serdatu climbed on board, and sailed away to the city where the three princesses dwelt. And when he reached the harbor, he blew trumpets and beat drums, so that everyone ran to their doors and windows, and the king heard too, and saw the beautiful vessel, and said to himself, That must indeed be a mighty monarch, for he has three crowns, while I have only one. So he hastened to greet the stranger, and invite him into his castle, for thought he, this will be a fine husband for my youngest daughter. The youngest princess, as she had promised, had never married, and had turned a deaf ear to all her woers. Such a long time had passed since Spencer Datu had left the palace, that the king never guessed for a moment that the splendidly clad stranger before him is the man he had so deeply mourned. Noble lord, he said, let us feast and make merry together, and then, if it seems good for you, do me the honor of taking my youngest daughter as your wife. Ben Serdatu was glad, and they all sat down to a great feast, and there were great rejoices, but only the youngest daughter was sad 
for her thoughts were with Ben Serdatu. After they arose from the table, and the king said to her, Dear child, this mighty lord does you the honor to ask for your hand in marriage. O father, answered she, spare me, I pray you, for I desire to remain single. Then Bensurdatu turned to her and said, And if I were Bensurdatu, would you give the same answer? And she stood silently gazing at him. He added, Yes, I am Bensurdatu. And this is my story. The king and the queen had their hearts stirred within them at the tale of his adventures. And when he had ended, the king stretched out his hand and said, Dear Ben Serdatu, my youngest daughter shall indeed be your wife, and when I die, my crown shall be yours. As for the men who have betrayed you, they shall leave the country, and you shall see them no more. And the wedding feast was ordered, and rejoicings were held for three days over the marriage of Ben Serdatu and the youngest princess. And now it's time for you to relax much more deeply so that you can drift off into a wonderful sleep if you haven't already. So just continue to allow every muscle in every part of you to relax completely. That's right. Just let every part of you totally and completely relax as you drift off into a wonderful sleep. Sleep now.